Hello, welcome to another series here on Lunch Table Talk. See, in this series, we're going to focus on teams, players that took the road less traveled. That road that I'm speaking of is greatness. So much of a greatness that it landed them into this vortex, a place where only the, the greatest of the greats go. See, a long time ago, people had this notion that only one person can be greater than all. I like to beg to differ. Everyone's got a top five list. Everyone's got a top ten list. So why can't it be multiple people that we look at and say they're the greatest of all time? Or, to phrase it, GOAT. In this series, we will talk about some of the greatest players in several sports that have achieved these milestones. And we'll ask that question. Are they really the greatest player of all time? Because see, in my opinion, there's several different types of GOATs. And if you know me, you know who I think the GOAT is. But I found several other people that could be in that conversation as well. So come with me on this journey as we go to the land of the goats. Come on in. Let's take a ride. And today's topic, Magic Johnson. When you think of the greatest point guards of all time, who's the first person that comes to mind? Is it John Stockton? Is it Isaiah Thomas? Or even the new king of the block, Stephen Curry? I beg to differ. It's only one guy who sits on the throne, and that's Irvin Magic Johnson. See, a long time ago, I was never the biggest Magic fan. I respected his game. I liked the fact that he can do all those things on the basketball court. But my favorite point guard of all time, well, I thought was the greatest point guard of all time, would be Isaiah Thomas. But that's another episode. On this episode, we're going to focus on Magic. Because, see, Magic was a five-time champion. League MVP three times. And I go through a lot of more accolades. 10 All-NBA teams. 9 first team. 1 second team. But he wasn't Rookie of the Year. That went to Larry Bird. But he got a bigger prize. He was the NBA champion. His rookie season. How many guys can say that? And oh, by the way, he wasn't just a guy who contributed. He was also the Finals MVP. Which up to that point, most people felt was going to go to Kareem. Now, this is what my research has given me because I remember seeing Magic exclusively in 1984. And I'll get to that in a minute, but Irvin Magic Johnson is from Lansing, Michigan. He attended Michigan State, where he won an NCAA championship in 1979. 
He was also the most outstanding player in that Final Four. To make even more of a relevance of how great he was in basketball, when he got to the Lakers, Kareem was already there. And Kareem was great. But Kareem didn't have the championship success until Magic showed up. Throughout the 80s, it was either the Lakers or the Celtics in the finals. It was rare. You never saw one without the other. In that same same time span, they only missed the finals twice. That would be 1981 and 1986. From 81 to 89, the Lakers were in the Western Conference Finals every year from 81 to 89. Also in 89, they swept their way through the playoffs. Do you know how difficult that is? Since I've been watching the NBA Finals since 1984, I've only seen the 89 Lakers do it. I saw the 01 Lakers do it, sweep their way through the entire playoffs up to the finals. And I saw the Warriors do it in 17. That's three teams. So they went through their whole conference without losing the game until they got to the finals. Two out of three won the championship. 89 was not a good year for the Lakers. Bad boys. Anyway, but Magic Johnson, in my opinion, is the greatest point guard that ever lived. I know that's a big statement for some of y'all to hear me say that. But his accomplishments make it so. And when I say point guard, I mean the guy who got everyone going and he was the last one to get going. The way the point is run today is totally different. These guys are more of a scoring point guard. They're not 100% facilitating. I'm not going to take that away from them. But, you know, Magic was the orchestrator. He was the maestro. You give him two wings and a guy in the post, he can do damage. He's the guy in the pickup game you don't want to play against because he's never walking off the court. He's going to find a way to win. Whether that means he scores the buckets or someone else is scoring the buckets. Or he's going to put you in a position to score the bucket and win. He, to me, is the uh, definition of a guy who makes his teammates better. He puts them in position so that they can be successful. And his basketball IQ is off the charts. In my opinion, there's never not been a situation he's not been in that he he hasn't faced on the basketball court. Off of it, he is a successful businessman. He fought one of the most deadliest diseases known to mankind, and he's overcome. But we want to focus mainly on his basketball accomplishments, what he has done to the game. How he's helped the game. How he's advanced the game. And more importantly, his legacy in the game. Because to me, 
he made it possible for a big man to be a point guard or a point forward. Because let's be honest, you think a point guard, you think about a little person like maybe Isaiah's height or no more than 6'3", maybe 6'4", and they're orchestrating the offense. They're facilitating, they're putting people in their right positions. Or they're doing it like today, which is they're not a traditional point guard. They're more of a scoring point guard. They're carrying the load for their team. See, back then, Magic knew that the, his, his superpower was to get everyone involved. He knew he could ball. He knew he could play. But his story started when he was a kid, and he saw his father's work ethic. He used that same work ethic on the playground, on the basketball court, every day and every night to work on his game. So much so that his mom had to go tell one of his siblings, go get that boy off the court. He got to eat. It made him one of the greatest players that's ever played this game. But to recap, if you don't know his accomplishments, let's let's name a couple of them real quick. Of course, he's a five-time champion. Three-time league MVP. Three-time finals MVP. He's been to the All-Star game 12 times. He was the game's MVP in the All-Star game twice. He's made 10 all-time NBA teams, nine first team, one second team. And he was he led the league in assists four different times. His scoring average for his career is 19.5. He averaged 11.2 assists and 7.2 rebounds. And of course, he was a part of the gold medal dream team in 92 he was inducted to the Naismith Hall of Fame in 2002 and the College Basketball Hall of Fame in 2006 he's also a part of the anniversary team of the NBA the 50th and the 75th of course but that still does not give the essence of who Magic Johnson truly was Because think about it for a second. This guy has a trophy named after him. When you have a trophy named after you, that means you, you are what we say greatness is made of. And his personality. See, he brought smiles to the court. He brought energetic to the court. If he wasn't having a good time, you knew something was wrong. See, he made that thing in Showtime work. And I hate to tell all of y'all, but when you went to L.A., you didn't want to go there. That atmosphere with them girls and them stars, that's why they ran the 80s. He ushered all that in, along with the owner. But that doesn't mean throughout the course of his career there wasn't some trials and tribulations. Like I said... From 1980 to 1989, his team only missed the finals twice. So in 81, they lost in the first round to the Rockets. And in 86, they lost to those same Rockets team with the Twin Towers in the Western Conference Finals on a last second shot. He also lost to his bitter rival in 84. He got swept in 83. Then got swept in 89. 
But in between that, Magic won those five championships. He eventually dominated his rival. He prevented his best friend from winning his first championship in 88. But Isaiah got compensated in 89. Throughout the whole process of his career, Magic has always been about one thing, and that is winning. He won big. He won very fabulously. And more importantly, he had no regrets on what he did on the basketball court. Because he'll tell you himself, I was about that. It was always about winning. It was always about getting to the next level. It was always being the best when the best time to be the best. Now, you may say his shot wasn't pretty. Didn't matter. When you're going in for a layup or a dunk, still two points. There's nothing more scarier than when he's coming down the court, coming full blast, and he's got arguably two of the best guys to run the wing in James Worthy and Byron Scott. And Norm Nixon before him and Jamal Wolf before James Worthy. See, Magic's always had great players around him. And he's known how to use them. Somebody may say it sounds familiar like somebody else that's still currently playing. But there's a difference. A huge difference. See, Magic was Magic. Magic never had to go to another squad. There's no, there's no shade at LeBron. But he didn't have to go to another squad. Because he basically ran LA along with Dr. Bus. See, when they play that song, We Love LA, you only really should thank one man for that. Well, you can say two. That would be him and Dr. Bus. They made that song mean something. So when they play it, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Seeing that image of Dr. Buzz on the sideline with those fine women putting up the peace sign and shaking his head like we rocking. Or Magic with the killer smile, but deep down inside, he's ready to rip your throat out to win that championship. See, he ran LA. You couldn't come there without feeling the wrath, the sensation of what Magic and the Lakers did. They just ran you off the court. They had a situation called let's let's have our let's have our knees wrapped by the third quarter. We want to run them so much off the court. It ain't even funny. But that's what they did. And they got a documentary out. I think it's called Showtime. I think it's on Hulu. And then there's Winning Time that was on um HBO Max, which is not just Max. You should check those out you'll see a whole lot about Magic and those Laker teams. When we come back, we'll have our panel discussion about where we should see Magic Johnson in the lexicon of GOATs. to the lunch table talk. I have my cousins in the building. What's up, gentlemen? What's happening, man? <clears throat> Good to hear y'all voice. All right. Uh, before we start with today's 
series of goat goat talk. I would like to pick your guys' brain about the NBA Finals so far, and how do you feel about it? And do you this Monday? Mike first. Yeah, I'll let I'll let Thomas go first there. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, well, <laughs> you guys already know that I picked. Uh, from the jump, I just felt like their guards are too big and too strong, which we have clearly seen. And the the only way that Miami was going to be able to beat Denver if they got them in foul trouble, which they did last night, but they did not take advantage of those five Joker fouls by uh, driving it to the paint. So that's their fault. So it's going to be over next game. All hell the nerds. Yeah, I mean, I, the bulk of the positions out there on the floor, Denver's just ahead in terms of talent. So um, Miami was a long shot, to say the least. So, I mean, Vegas got it. Everybody got it right at this point, right? It's just <laughs> – now, like, kudos to Thomas. Now, he, he, he put us up on Denver a long time ago. Uh, but considering the finals, <clears throat> they don't have Tyler Hero at all, who's their second best player, or, or third, depending on how you how you feel about Bam. I mean, it was just an uphill battle for them from the jump, you know, and, and outside of just, you know, some some great coaching from Spolstra, I, I don't see them winning another game. They might get it, but I doubt it. I doubt it, especially Denver at home. They're going to try to close this thing out in front of the home crowd. So this is the first title. Yeah, I think it's over with on Monday. I agree. Um, it's a great story, but they're an eight seed for a reason. So, one other question before we get really into the series on goat talk, I would like to get you guys' opinion. Uh, what Scotty Pippen said about Michael Jordan, I made my opinion known last week on the last episode. I basically said Scotty was on crack and he needed help, and this is not the best way to go get help, but it is what it is. Um, I just want to know what you guys feel about his comments and were they out of bounds? What, what was the comment specifically? Because he ain't had a couple of them. Well, he said that Michael Jordan was a terrible player. He was horrible to play with. And he said everyone knew what kind of player he was, but once they started winning, they act like they forgot. Okay, gotcha. Well, I think it's documented that he wasn't the greatest teammate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in what way? Please, please go. Please describe for my listeners in what way was Michael Jordan not a great teammate. Well, let's back up for a second. I didn't say that. I'm talking about before people who played with him. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's documented that players mm-hmm. that he's played with said that he he wasn't the greatest teammate, you know. But they all gave him kudos in terms of being the greatest competitor, if not the best competitor they've ever seen slash even played with. So I, I guess to some degree there may be some truth there in terms of – see, this is where Scotty loses me, you know. It, I think one of it's timing. The second thing is I'm pretty sure you saw either the documentary before it was released well, you knew to what degree this documentary would be, for the most part, 90% of it about Michael Jordan. So sure. it, it seems to me like he's, I think, 
<laughs> my belief is Scotty is being manipulated. By whom? I, I don't know. But to carry all of this to now is just absurd. Like, no one's ever heard you say a bad thing about MJ. I mean, you, you know, you show up at different parties, events. All, even MJ doing his Hall of Fame speech said, basically, I would not be who I am today if it had not been for Scottie Pippen. I mean, he, he's given Scottie Pippen his flowers. I just, I think Scottie's being manipulated. And again, by whom? I don't know. I don't know if it's just a book. I don't know if he's falling on hard time. I don't know. But it's coming from out of nowhere. And it's very puzzling and confusing. You know, I, a few times I thought he was just losing his mind. <laughs> you know, but that, that's kind of how I feel about about Pip. I, I really don't buy into everything he's saying, but in terms of him being a bad teammate, I mean, he's not the first person to say that. So, but in terms of but, his talent and skill, mm-hmm. that's absurd to say MJ wasn't a good player. I mean, I, that's where he loses me, you know? Well, Thomas, before you chime in, I think the people that are saying that he's a bad teammate was probably the people he was hard on the most. I mean, he was so competitive and wanted to win. He even said that in his Hall of Fame speech. He said literally, I'm sorry, but I want to win. And at that time, it was only two teams that were winning at a high clip when he walked in the league, and that was the Lakers and the Celtics. He wanted to be with those guys. And in order to weed out those bad teammates, he had to do what he had to do. And some of them won championships, and some of them, they all won championships. Let's just put it that way. You got some hardware. Your name is forever on a trophy on the wall somewhere. You're, you're in the Raptors. Thomas, let me get, let, go ahead and give me your opinion, and we'll get to the topic at hand. Well, so I don't think that uh, – I think you look at it from a matter of perspective and culture, right? So if you grew up in basketball culture where the game is more about the essence of teamwork uh, My- Michael Jordan just brought a different uh, way of how he felt to motivate people. Like, usually you don't motivate people by force. And I literally mean by force. Like, you punching people in the face because they're not on the block right and all this kind of stuff. They're not you know, uh, shooting, cr- blah, blah, blah. He had a different approach to how he felt that he was going to motivate somebody in his competitive nature, right? Sure. Um, as far as him not being a good player, there are players such as Kenny Smith and uh, who else? Kenny Smith. And I want to say maybe Tim Hardaway, but don't take me on that one. I know Kenny Smith for sure said that he could guard. It was easy to guard MJ at a particular time when he first came in the league because he could not go left. You know what? Nobody it was, was Isaiah Thomas. It was, it was Isaiah Thomas, Thomas and Kenny smoke. Smith. So Kenny Smith huh? said it too. Kenny Smith yeah, said it he, too. He, they both, yeah, what I'm saying the guy you're talking about, Isaiah said it on Up and Smoke, said he couldn't okay. go left like that. His yeah. handle was not the best. Right. So that was early Jordan, right? But the 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 great thing, one of to me, one of Michael Jordan's greatest attributes was his ability to know what his weaknesses were and to make them his strengths. So when he was in his you no know, his prime, you you couldn't say, "Oh, make Jordan go left no more," because he going left and he dunking on you, or he That's going true. left and he's spinning on you. Like he he took all those weaknesses and made them a strength. So that is a byproduct of you no know, his his competition 
and and people <laughs> telling him that like you probably shouldn't tell him oh i know you can't go to the left so i'm just take you to the left you don't tell your opponent that you just do it you know what i'm saying so um i don't think scotty's like too far off but at the same time i kind of agree with mike that it seems like he chout clays chout uh clout chasing to a certain degree like you know all these older players are getting are getting money and he trying to get his money too and he's trying to elevate himself or make himself known he like says outlandish things to get the clickbait going to me okay all right well this series i decided to start is called goat talk and you're listening to mike and thomas aka the family and we've always talked shop about basketball we've always talked shop about who's the greatest and today's subject is magic johnson five-time champion three-time league mvp the question i have to ask you guys today is where do you have Magic rank in your top 10, top 20 all-time on your list? What do you have him ranked and why? Thomas, I'll start with you. Are we talking about all-time top players or your, guards? Your your list of all-time, like your top five, your top 10, top 20, your list, your mm. opinion. Mm. So, you know <laughs> – so you it's know, your I'm list, a, bro. It's your yeah, list. It yeah. doesn't matter. Uh, so I have to, I have to caveat this. I have to make sure that people understand. So I'm a, I like big, big fellas, right? But Magic falls into sinners, the big fellas. Sinners, sinners. He means sinners, people. Yeah, I like big fellas and power forwards. But Magic Johnson was one of the biggest, or if one of the biggest guards we've ever seen, right? So he, he's like. He probably like number number three to me. Okay, that's where I got him on my list. He's top. He's top five. So you got him top five. Yeah, like he's to me, he's the greatest guard of all time because, um, like Isaiah Thomas said, like you can't even put him in a you no know, Mount Rushmore, so to speak, because he his size gave him like the ultimate advantage over all the rest of the guards who are who average like you know six feet, six foot one. You can't do nothing with a six nine guard, bro. Like that's true. It's impossible. So uh he that's just brought so much to the game. Team to defense him. I got you. Yeah. Absolutely. Mike. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a little perplexed. maybe uh for different reasons <clears throat> uh than Thomas, because when I think of best player, I kinda like best player I've seen versus greatest impact. So I'll start here. I think in terms of impact on the game. Well, no, no, no. I'm asking you, like, where do you have them in your list of top five? We're going to get to the all the – what you're going to go into as far as impact and everything. That's at the end. But where do you have yeah. them on your list? You know, it, it – I'll be honest. It consistently shifts, <laughs> to be quite honest. I mean, on my list – I mean, he's 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 in the top ten, but he's okay. on the, the the back half of the top ten uh, based on mm. players that I have seen. So, um, you know, I, I I give it to Kareem. I'll give it to Bron, MJ. I'll give it to Wilt. Um, and then from there, like I said, there's some shifts here or there, and I'm not sure if Magic has ever really cracked my top five. Really, and I know we're gonna go to impact, but the reason why I want to go there real quick is 
when I'm talking about impact on the game, then I would put him up there in terms of maybe the top two players, if not the greatest in terms of okay. impact on the NBA game. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure if in a vacuum I would say that out of everyone who's played the game that he would be in my top five. Top ten, I think he would be. But top five, I mean, I, I, I hesitate a little there. Um, part of that reason is his career was, 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 was cut short in a way that we just didn't see, you know, the, the ending of the last chapter. We saw where he kind of plateaued, but we didn't. I think he could have won. I, I think he could have won another championship, you know. No, um, I guess not guess them Bulls, no. He could have competed, but no, I disagree with you with that. But well, I, mean, I know we're not going there, but he was hurt that series in, in addition to someone else. So I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I think – I think he wasn't hurt that much. You still pay. If you're playing, you're not that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Byron Scott, let, let me let hey, me. I'm not gonna take anything away. I'm not taking here. anything away from the Bulls. I'm not I, taking we're anything not, away. But Scotty uh uh Byron Scott, you got me calling him one call Scotty Pippen. Byron Scott and James <laughs> Worthy were the ones that were sitting out in game three or four, if I'm not mistaken. But thank you guys for giving your honest opinion about Two your top ten. Huh? That, that's two starters right there, but we, we can proceed. But that's two starters. That's that's pretty. Yeah, exciting. I got you. I can <laughs> but injury's in part of the game, baby. Injury's part of the game. Uh if Magic was playing today, would he be in the conversation for best player in the league today if he was playing today? Yes. Okay. You are he's six nine, two two, two fifty five. Guard. Well, I don't know if he would be playing guard in this league today. I think Isaiah Thomas made a preference. I'm quoting, he would probably be playing from the center position. And I can see that because you, you we just talked about Nikola Jokic and how he's playing. He's kind of got a little magic in him as far as a facilitator, the way he can orchestrate and how he's directing his team. <coughs> you notice in game two when they made him just a scorer, he was kind of like limited, like his impact was not as great. Where Magic on the other end, his impact would have still been felt, even though he was an assist guy. Like, do y'all realize in the 1980, this dude, his rookie season in game six, and mind you, I was only two years old, I wasn't even watching the finals then. He had 42 points, 15 rebounds, and seven seven assists, and he played all five positions. He was so dominant in that game, they took Kareem's name off the finals MVP trophy and gave it to Magic Johnson. That's how dominant he was in that game, in that series. Uh, Oh, yes, people, he was going against a prime. Let me say that again. A prime Dr. J. If you don't know who Dr. J is, we're going to tell you who Dr. J is in in a few episodes. But Mike, what is your opinion? I mean, Thomas, were you done with your explanation or did you need to go further? Mike? Yep, I'm still here. Uh, What's your opinion? Is Thomas still there? I don't hear him. He might be. You want to try to get him back on? You want me to just go? No, just go ahead and go. Just go. 
Cause I'm, I'm okay. going to chop it up and edit it up pretty good. Okay, good deal. I think so. I, I paused just a little bit there, but I think so, especially with the evolution of the game, right? So it's it's really, you know, it's a shooter's league now, right? Shooting yes. is just off the chart. So I think in terms of his impact on the game, he probably would have averaged close to 20 assists a game, you know, right now during this league, you know, depending on what team he was on, you know. Um, so I, I think he definitely would have would have been in the running. It's just that maybe yes, yes. Let me just go out there and just say yes, yes. Magic would have been in the running. I don't know if he would have just been winning it every year, but yes, he would have been in the running for for MVP of the league. Yes. All right, cool. Um, well, we already kind of touched on a little bit, but uh, what is your top five point guards of all time? Besides Magic, who are the other who are the other guys that you would consistently say were you could actually honestly say were the best point guards of all time? Besides Ooh. Magic, Ugh. Isaiah, of course. I love Bubba Chuck. Okay. Gary Payton. And probably, <clears throat> shoot, what am I talking about? Steph Curry, man. Steph Curry. I think John Stockton would round that out but um, on the fifth. But, yeah, definitely put Steph Curry there. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I don't even got Steph Curry as a, as a point. I really see him really as a a – he he's a new type of guard, but I got my top five as in Stockton, Jake Kidd. I agree with you with Gary Payton. Um, AI, you know what? They moved him to the two, but I guess you could say AI a little bit. And I'm gonna give some love to somebody that nobody really talks about, but I know people are gonna laugh. I'm gonna say Jay Will because Jay Will could throw that dime, bro. He he just was a little erratic, but I I liked his handle. Um, mm. now I'm not going to say as the greatest, but I just want to throw him out there as an honorable mention, but yeah, Stockton, definitely Isaiah, Isaiah, I, to me, Isaiah is number two. I would give Stockton three, Peyton four, JK would be five. And I would give Jason Williams some love because that dude knew how to through the, through the dime. He knew how to pass. He was, he was a magician with that ball. He could do some freaky things with it. That make you sit there and be like, man, he ain't supposed to do that. It's almost eerie, like how Magic used to run the break a little bit. Thomas, yeah, you there? Yeah, yeah y'all. Yeah. CP3. We were asking no top five uh, point guards of all time besides Magic. Besides Magic. Uh, hmm. So, Thomas, real quick, uh, I guess yeah. my. <clears throat> my, my my few point guards there, I said uh, Isaiah, I said AI, um, Gary Payton, Steph Curry, and then I would round that out with John Stockton. Okay. And um, to recap, I, I didn't I, I didn't consider Steph Curry really a point because, you know, he is playing that position. He's not really a point to me. He's really a shooter. I don't really see him initiating the offense like that, but I said 
Isaiah Stockton. I did agree with Gary Payton, and I said uh, Jason Kidd, and I gave an honorable mention to Jay- Jason Williams. You know, I know I'll probably be slammed for that, but I just like the way he handled the ball. He could just make those passes. He he was just very unique in his approach of how he played that position. Yeah, so I, I don't consider AI or Steph Curry like point guards because when I think about point guards, I'm thinking about floor generals, and they don't take me as floor generals at all. Yeah. So I go with uh, John Stockton, Jason Kidd, CP3, Uh, fifth one, uh, Gary, Gary Payton for sure. Yeah, yeah, CP. You know, I, let me get shout him out too. He he got a crazy hand, he just cursed with staying healthy. Um, yeah, that's the problem, but he's a great floor general. Um, I want to pick you guys' brain a little bit. If Magic didn't have Larry Bird to go against, would he still be considered a great player? So they said steel sharpens steel, and mind you, these guys have been playing each other since 1979. And they had three epic battles in the finals, and each guy had raised each other's IQ level, just everything. Like the te- their teammates around them just got better as they were playing against each other. So if there was no bird on the other side of that coin, would Magic be as great as we view him as today as a player? I would say. Uh... No, because we have to think about the state of the NBA when Magic Johnson came in. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird saved the NBA. You know what I'm saying? So if you didn't have somebody to go against to make all this commotion to watch these games, who was that person going to be? Because I don't think it would have been Julius Irvin. It wouldn't have been you know, some other guy. Like, their, their style of play just made it um, – entertaining for you to watch and it was like a great story of uh, you know the nba trying to rebound and become this force in the sports world i don't know if that was orchestrated or not because you had the two greatest franchises you know uh kept going against each other um but i think there's something to be said about those two teams in the nba and where they were at in media isn't that puzzling? Like you, you almost have to raise an eyebrow. I think you brought up a good point. Like, how did the two most storied franchises get these two legendary game-changing players? Like, I, I don't know what the rules were in terms of the draft back then, but I'm like, something just seemed like it was up, you know, um, with those dynamics. Now, it sounds like we're talking about now legacy and impact, and this is where I would say definitely. Magic might be the greatest ever, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Thomas hit uh, hit on it, you know, in terms of they transformed the game. I mean, think about this. Prior to them, you see highlights. It was, for the most part, a half-court game, you know. They really made it exciting, full-court, fast-paced. I mean, they just brought more excitement and flash to the game. I mean, I think even when they came on board, that's when tape delays started to shift out or phase out. Um, yeah, it, it was. It was. Right. So it's, it's now in terms of if he didn't have a yin and yang with, with, with Bird, that's a good point. I think it's, you could also look at it like if they were on the same, in the same conference, it, it could have been said the same, you know, because it wasn't that jousting for, you know, the greatest 
team ever, or greatest franchise ever. I mean, so it's just funny how that dynamic happened. East, West, two-story franchises, and they both had immediate impacts on this team, you know. One could say that LeBron really never really had that rival, you know, that guy to go back and forth mm. with. And he that's kinda, where, he, he kind of did, but he kind of downplayed it. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah, I, I, I can't think of, you know, and if you have somebody in mind, I mean, speak on it. But I can't think of a player that I can just say, hey, in this era, it was Bron and this it guy. Was, and, it, 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 it was – it's really two guys. Um, they just have to be on the same team, and that would be Curry and Durant. Uh, him and Durant had a very weird synergy, but – I don't want to get too far off topic with Magic, but to be honest, LeBron did have two guys, even though they, they came together to beat him. But technically, he just did not embrace rivalries. I think if he would have, um, we'd be talking to him about him in a different light than what we're talking about right now. I think the fact that Bird and Magic – first of all, let's go back to you guys' talking points when you said about how it was orchestrated. To be honest with you, you can actually make it. It was orchestrated. It was orchestrated in the stars. Larry Bird was picked a year before he left college. I believe he was like the fifth pick or something. And Red Auerbach held his rights, and Bird went back to school. So that's why in 1978, Bird didn't play. He went back to college. That's why when he, when him and Magic came in, they came in at the same time. Magic was the number one pick because he won a the Lakers won a coin flip. So it was kind of somewhat orchestrated. I forgot who the other team that the Lakers had a coin flip with. It might have been Milwaukee. It just so happens that the Lakers won the toss and Dr. Buss chose him. And there you go. And on top of that, the Celtics own that rivalry. They still kind of do. They But they both have the same amount of championships. The Lakers has been to the finals more than anybody. So they found a way to get there. It's just that when Magic showed up, they started beating the Celtics. Except for 84. 84, they, they, that's what they was calling him, Tragic Magic. And speaking of that, when a player faces adversity, there's only really two ways they can go. They can either overcome it or even get worse. I want to talk about the metamorphosis of 84 through 87, how he was basically uh, looked at as being Tragic Magic. He was uh, choking at the free throw line. He's making uncharacteristic passes in the 84 finals. But then in 87, he comes back and not only gives us a highlight that we see every year in the finals with the baby junior sky hook, but he's now solidified himself, in my opinion, the best player of the 80s. And prior to that, in 85, they, they had avenged the Sutters from the previous finals in 84. I just want to I just want to get you guys' opinion that. In 87, up to that point, after he made the junior skyhook, would you consider him at that point the most dominant player of that decade in the 80s? Mike, I'll start with you. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say, man. I think this is where I, I do give Bird some props. Um, and Bird was the rightful, to me, rookie of the year. Mm -hmm that year as well. I mean, he averaged in terms of his stat line was better. His team record was better. Um, okay. I, I just think He's talking about 1980, their rookie season people, not yeah. 1987. So you could kind of go 
back and forth when you say that the decade of the 80s, like who really ran roughshod? I mean, he, he has more titles, so I guess you could easily give it to him. But, man, those teams were loaded, man. <laughs> like, they were. But there's something to be said about th- – this is also where um, – let me pivot real quick. I give MJ a lot of credit is because if you look pound for pound, player for player, those Bulls teams were not that talented. They just really weren't. But you had teams and franchises in, in the Celtics and the Lakers who just always seemed to be loaded, you know. And, and so I do give additional credit to those teams who just weren't as, you know, who didn't play with as talented a, a, a roster as them. But I guess in a vacuum, I probably would say he, he was the best player uh, in the 80s. A slight edge over over Bird and Kareem, who was kind of, you know, on the on a down downward trend of his career. Okay. Thomas, what about you? Um, man, so as far as his game evolving, I, I think you would have to give testament Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's the master of the skyhook in the NBA, even though he's um, it seemed that Magic had to dig deep to 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 ensure that it was solid and at a level that um, he could compete and not bring shame to the franchise. You know, um, elevate himself and especially um, right be a true rival to to Larry Bird. You know what I'm saying? You know, still sharp and still, so he had to make sure that he was on his game. All right, that's what's up, fellas. And this will probably be the last question on this segment as far as goat talk. Um, if you had to sell, now we get to that point where you could talk now freely about his uh, impact, Mike. Uh, I would like for you guys to sell the audience on why he should be the goat. And, like, in layman's terms, because in my opinion, this series is really – we're trying to give people flowers because we're always talking about who's the greatest ever. I just feel like there's a lot of players that have GOAT status. And there's a room that I have envisioned that all these great players are in, and they're all arguing their statistical achievements, their hardware, everything, and how the game – the game was theirs at one point. If you had to sum up Magic Johnson's career just to say he's the GOAT, what would it be? Well, <clears throat> undoubtedly, when you talk about point guards, the comparison is always Magic Johnson, period. Like, he's the quintessential – he's the, the, the heir apparent to the prototypical point guard, even at his size. And like I said, his impact is just <clears> – <throat> monumental to the point where, I mean, look, he, he revolutionized the game in terms of the big point guard, the way they handled the speed of the game, the flair and the excitement which people played. Um, he brought fun back to <laughs> just organized athletics. To me, he brought that, that back. Let's go out and have fun. We're going to dominate. We're going to win, but we're going to have fun doing it. And, and, 
like I said, his impact just, it saved the NBA. I mean, I think MJ had the impact in terms of globalizing the NBA. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Steph Curry had an impact in terms of the three-point shot. And, and you know, like, there are certain players who, who, who have had this sort of impact on the actual game um, and helped to revolutionize it. And, and he just, he did that, you know. And he did it and he won, you know, on top of everything else. He won. He played hard. The only thing I think that's that's missing off of his record, which is puzzling to me, is Magic Johnson was a good defender, believe it or not. I mean, okay. he, he, you know, I, I did some research. He won, you know, he was the steals leader twice and never made an all-defensive team. I'm like, well, <laughs> who did? You know, like LeBron has made it, what, 15 out of the 19 years he's played in the NBA and has never averaged the amount of steals that Magic did. So I'm not sure if they just weren't tracking it. I don't know what the case was, but I think that's the only thing that's really missing off of his resume is he doesn't get credit for the defensive uh, uh, presence that he had on the floor. And that's what Pat Riley pretty much instilled into all of his team. Like, we got to win on the defensive end. We went on the defensive end, now you go out and run. And that's what they did. I mean, you look at most highlights, they're on the break for because of a defensive rebound or some kind of steal or block shot, and they're on the run. So I think that's what's kind of missing from, you know, his story. But outside of that, you can find no better point card than Magic Johnson. Thomas? The one thing I look at him is condition. You brought it up. They ran the fast break better than anyone I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I remember watching um, Red Hour back, old school, how they used to do the Celtic fast break. And they would just run people out their shoes. And there was a saying that they wanted to have their knees wrapped by halftime or by third quarter. They want to just be putting ice on their knees. So, first of all, they were in shape. Second, I just think he was the greatest orchestrator I've ever seen. The maestro, like, his instrument was putting people in position to actually be great. And I think his legacy, like you said, is the enthusiasm. But I also think I look at other players that have come after him, like, it was an anomaly for a 6'9 dude to be handling the ball like that and not get stuck up all the time. So from him, I saw Penny Hardaway. I saw Grant Hill. Lamar Odom was handling the rock. You see um, Scotty Pippen really in that triangle offense became the dude, and he had to take Magic up full court. And he talked about how, you know, in 91, how – it was almost nerve-wracking that he was going to be guarding this living legend. And, you know, Magic had an aura around him. I mean, it, it's purple. I even hate to say this, but, you know, he could he could potentially be the greatest player that's ever played, but I don't think he was the greatest player that played for the Lakers. Mm. I'm, I'm going to get at the Kobe Bryant. I know I'll probably be, you know, killed by people over 60 for saying that, but – you know, I'm a little biased. The dude, me and him, the same age, we came out of high school together. And the right. guy was the most skilled guy I ever saw. Matthew but Johnson, I'm, same thing. 
Yeah, you could. You but Magic was more dynamic and diverse because he could play five different positions. And so you know what? It could be a tie to top. You really can't. There's really no. It's apples and oranges here. But the main thing I can say about Magic, and even and even in the intro to this, I wasn't the biggest Magic Magic Johnson fan. I I knew who he was. I knew that every time he faced the Celtics, I cheered for him. But I really became a Magic fan probably after they got beat by Phoenix in 1990. And that was because he had to start all over with a different coach, and he still wielded his team to get to the finals. And you can't help a guy who 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 doesn't have it, like, athletically anymore, but he's still an efficient player. He can still go in a post. He can still shoot his little set shot. He still was – good enough or great enough to get his team back to the finals. And I think the unfortunate event of him catching a disease at the time that there was really no medicine for derailed his career. And I think we missed out on maybe another potential Michael and magic final potentially, Hmm. but that's, you know, that's, I agree with you on that one. So Thomas, to sum it all up, how, uh, if you had to make a case for, um, Magic being the GOAT, what would you say? Man, I'm, so I'm indifferent, right? So I, I think that the GOAT debate is semantics because the NBA is a product, right? And of course. These, these GOAT phases are just a better product of the game. So Magic helped, you know, get more people to watch it because it was fun and entertaining. And, you know what I'm saying, Michael Jordan brought um, global awareness. So now the NBA is global. They have all these partnerships all around the world. That's why we're getting these international players that come to the NBA now who are game ready. They, you don't have to really <laughs> uh, get them up to par. They've, they've, they've already been playing the game at a young age. Um, GOAT status is just enhancing what the NBA um, is as a product because um, it's just entertainment at the end of the day for me. Uh, I know well, I didn't answer your question. <laughs> no, no, you, you did. You did. You did in the long term. And I will say this I had one more question prior to that, but uh, you know, if you and I, we can end it on this one. Which Laker team in the 80s do you feel was the best team that? best team that you saw. And I'll give you, well, we all can't say 1980 because we, you know, we weren't, most of us weren't born. But there's 80, 82, 84, even though they lost, 85, 87, 88, or 89. Mm. <laughs> no, I think you're going to have to go back to the 80s because Kareem was more in his prime, more dominant. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm just saying pick a year. I, I mean, what year, which team do you think was the best team that he that they had? You know, was it 1980, 82, 84? They lost. And mind you, I'm only naming the teams that got to the finals. Because uh, right. 81 and 86, they got beat by Houston. 81 in the first round, 86 in the conference finals. And mind you, from 81 to 89, the Lakers had went to eight consecutive Western Conference finals. And 10 years in the 80s, people, the Lakers went to eight finals. So in, from the West, it was only them and Houston going to the finals. 
Whereas if you looked at the East, it was Philly, early, the Celtics, and then the Pistons. Yeah, and 1988, 19, excuse me, 1988 was also the year they were the first team to go back to back in almost 20 years. At the Pat Riley guarantee that they would be back again next year. Yeah. What's the uh, Debbie Allen's husband? What's his name? Norm Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> he was on the squad in the eight, uh, early 80s, right? 80, 81, 82, right? Yeah, until they got Byron Scott and they shipped him to Clipperland. Yeah, so I'm taking Norm Nixon. <laughs> I'm taking one of his teams. So okay. you can 81, 82. I know Kareem was more so in his prime back then. He had a hot magic who came out just, he won the title his rookie year. Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, worthy. I mean, they had a squad. Uh, didn't they have Jamal Wilkes on that squad, too? Yes, they did, sir. Look, man. Can't nobody, I mean, I'm sorry. And, and Bob McAdoo. Yeah, later on, like well. 84, 85. So, Coming that's what I would give it to. Now, I know we're not going here. But I don't think any of those Lakers teams can compete with one of those Lakers teams from the 2000s. But no, nah, who going to – yeah, that's sad. Yeah. 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 I think it would be a seven-game series, but I, I would give it to the old one Lakers. Yeah, yeah. That team was Shaq, man, when they went 16-1, no. Nah, that team, to me, was the greatest team ever. Yeah. Well, they went 15-1. Yeah. and one. They didn't, the, the, the Warriors went 16-1, and one, but that's another story. So I'd like to thank these two <laughs> gentlemen for coming on and having GOAT Talk. And if you enjoy... Well, as we wrap up this episode, I want to give a special thanks to my uh, two guests, Thomas and Mike. You will be hearing them again. Uh, anyone else who would like to come on and discuss in our roundtable discussion about Goat Talk, you're welcome. Just get in touch with me at kjw.itt526 at gmail.com. And we'll try to do our best to make sure that you, your voice is heard when we have goat talk. We also shed light on a few other things on this episode, like the NBA Finals. Tomorrow night could be the last night. We hoping that it's going to be the last night. Two days in between games is kind of torture. And I wanted to hear their opinion about how they felt about Scottie Pippen's comments. But this episode of Goat Talk really has, it should have ignited inside of you to Google who Magic Johnson is. He inspired a lot of guys to be ball handlers beside the traditional point guards. He was very successful. He won five championships, like I said. He got the best of his bitter rival, Larry Bird. Magic was so great that they even have a trophy named after him for the Western Conference MVP. So to put a bow into this episode, he is one of the greatest point guards that's ever lived. I don't think that's ever going to change, at least in my opinion. But everyone else has theirs. So leave your comments at the end of this episode who you think is the greatest point guard ever. If you don't believe Magic Johnson is the greatest player ever. And with that being said, 
please take care of yourselves out there. And until next time, peace.